0: Come on, grab a seat. Kids' kids, church is happening, so kids can run down there and have your mom and dad check you in. Starting off a little bit different tonight. Don't worry. It's all good. But uh, I actually forgot something Sunday that I felt I I really just kind of upset at myself. I forgot about it, so I felt I needed to kick it off tonight or else I'll probably forget about it again. So that's just the way I am, because once I come up after... Worship, my mind's going somewhere else. But this, I forgot on Sunday that I wanted to uh, bring up and just mention for a minute and uh, a time of uh, just a short prayer for the things that have been happening. The, the tornadoes came through uh, at the end of the last week and the loss of lives. Even, even a, a week ago, there was another school shooting up in Michigan and the loss of lives. So I intended to take a moment in prayer Sunday, and I forgot. And uh, so, again, just so I didn't forget tonight, I wanted to kick off with it tonight. But um, let me just say this. As believers, don't ever get used to things like this. Don't ever be numb to the loss of life. You know what I'm saying? And these things happen so much, and and, and so often, and, and you cannot... You certainly can't carry the weight of the world because these things are happening worldwide all the time. But at the same time, don't ever be desensitized to the loss of life, whether whether it's a natural disaster like uh, the loss of lives in a tornado or uh, an act of violence like at the school shooting where, where people were killed uh, by that young man. I, I, I this is I was thinking last night about this, and I meant to go find this quote. I have it written down somewhere, and I forgot. And then when I was here, I was here early today, this quote came up on my Twitter feed, which I'm not saying Twitter is a a holy place or anything, but this quote came up that I was looking for, and I thought, well, wow, there it is. And this is a, um, if you know anything about, um, well, I don't expect you to Russian novelists, word Dostoevsky. How many know Dostoevsky? Uh, okay, so thank you. Uh, the brother, uh, the idiot, the brother Karamatov, or whatever the name is. At his eulogy, this is something somebody read and, and talked about him. It says, the first precondition of being called to be a spiritual leader is to perceive and feel the falsehood that is prevailing in society. In other words, what is lost and, and what is happening because of sin okay, and then to dedicate one's life to the struggle against that. See, if if one tolerates it, then one resigns itself to it, and one can never truly be a prophet to it. So, in other words, that we never get used to things so much that we don't speak life towards it. Does that make sense? So, as much as you could watch the news and see things on the internet all the time where, where the loss of lives and things happening, don't become numb to it because it's so prevalent. Because the loss of life is Antichrist. He is the author of life, He's the author of new creation. He, he's about life, right? So, by the way, we, we talk about what it means to be pro life. Pro life is not just, well, hey, we're, we're fighting that babies are to be born. We should be. It does not stop there. Pro-life is life. That's why, that's why you see in Matthew 25, the judgment of the nations is resting upon, did you help the one that was naked? And needed food did you visit the one in prison because pro-life is how we treat people in life now if you start by the way this is kind of a challenge if you start working through thinking about that it'll challenge a lot of things to yourself about how you perceive things and see things so when these things happen that we as believers can look at that and say this isn't right you see what I mean And and you can't, again, you can't carry the the burden of that on you, the world. You can't carry that burden. But at the same time, to be able to pray the mercies of God towards these situations. And if you can do something more to help, great. But if you can't, to pray the mercies of God towards them. All right? And the other thing is this. I, I think it's important to say this. Especially where we've been the last couple years, okay, with everything that's been happening. Again, that can have a tendency to desensitize you towards the loss of life a little bit. And especially if if you're placing, uh, if if you're placing your thoughts in this, hey, we're, we're in the last of last days. I just know it, okay. But that doesn't mean that we can stop speaking life to our situations. Because if eschatology drives your train so hard, you're just wanting judgment to get out of here, and you're not worried about the rest of it. Well, that's not what we're called to do. So even no matter where you place us in, in the times, when these things happen, so, so in other words, uh, I was a youth pastor for a long time. You guys know that. And an example would be like the school shootings have been happening and becoming very prevalent. And it became to be every time I saw on the news active shooter, my, my heart would sink into my stomach every time. Because I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, please, no. Not another one, not more loss of life, not more. I never want to be, and and it happens enough that you can say, oh, another one happened. Let me go about my day. You never want to get to that place. Or when you know that there's, uh, for instance, with the tornadoes, there's a natural disaster happening. You're seeing it on the news. Okay, great, let me put on my Netflix and watch something else. You never get desensitized to when things are happening to people. Okay, that's not a big deal. It is a big deal. And, and we should be as believers, because we are believers of life, and life more abundant in Jesus, that we pray the mercies of God towards these situations. And, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes, uh, sometimes these things happen and, and, and they, get, they get a part of the rhythm of my prayer for a few days. And then, then like a day I forget about it and then the next day I, I kind of feel guilty that I didn't pray about it the day before. I'm not saying you have to feel guilt about praying about this stuff. But I'm just saying when you see these things happen, stop, pause, and pray. And speak somehow the mercies of God into these situations. You, you know what I'm talking about? So don't ever get used to the false, or in other words, how sin is wrecking our world. Because the ultimate wage of sin is what? And we're fighting against it. If if it wasn't a big deal, there wouldn't be a resurrection. And I know the kingdom's coming, and I know it fits and starts till it gets here, but yet we are still people in this world that are proclaiming the kingdom of God. And part of the kingdom of God is life. And life in abundance. Okay? So, I just, that's why I meant to say that Sunday, and I forgot. So, how about this? The worship team is gonna come up in just a second. But let's just pray as a congregation for these situations, okay? And, and, and maybe you just pray privately. Um, and, and I know as a congregation, we can't remember to do it every time something happens, but I'd like to incorporate more of that into our time together. Just so we are, are, are people that learn to to love the world as jesus loves the world to reach out as as we can you see how many understand what i'm saying make sure i'm making sometimes when i ramble i'm not sure i'm making sense but anyways how about we stand up and let's pray lord Lord, we just we just pray for your mercies for those that that have been devastated by the tornadoes that lord even the school shooting in, in michigan a little bit ago, and for whatever else, Lord, that is happening in this world, that we, Lord, pray your mercies and pray your grace, and somehow, some way, be God, and only the way you can be God, Lord. That, that we we can't explain these things, other than we just are in a messed up world. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that those that are grieving and mourning, those that have been the loss of life and the, and the loss of of even property and houses and, and everything they hoped and dreamed for may be, have been gone in just an instant. That your mercy is prevalent in the midst of their mourning, in the midst of their grief, in the midst of their questions, in the midst of trying to figure out why and wondering, Lord, that, that you somehow, someway get in the midst of their lives and be with them. And I pray that, that again, in in the mysterious way of how you work, God, that people find you in this and begin to learn what it means that even if they're walking in the valley of the shadow of death, that you're with them and can help see them through. Blessings, blessings, the blessings of God upon them. We proclaim that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, worship team, come on up. We're going to do our our normal worship. Let's just prepare our hearts to praise God. Holy Spirit, come, be with us tonight. Be in our midst as we worship you. We praise you tonight, Lord, that you are our God and there is no other. High above, high above, your name is lifted up. That we are people who follow you. We are people that serve you. We are people that worship you. Be in our midst tonight in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.
1: His mercies are new. Father, we give you our whole heart, Lord, knowing that you want a close relationship with us, that you are the bridegroom and you are jealous for your bride. Father, I pray that we live our life with a heart on fire for you. Where nothing else, we will not let anything else take that place. Nothing else will get us fired up like the love we have for you. You are so, so good. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just go around and say hi to someone real quick. We're so glad to have you here with us tonight.
0: Good evening, hi live streamers, good to have you, if you're on live stream watching, say hey, wave or do something, let us know you're there, it's good to have the live streamers and uh, obviously those that made it to the house tonight, right, tithe and offering, if you have uh, something to give, you can go ahead and prepare that. And as always, the envelopes are in the chairs in front of you. If you don't have one there, wave your hand around, and one of the incredibly awesome ushers will help you out. And they will find you and help you. All right, so tithe and offering tonight. I'm just going to pray over it, and if you have something to give, you can bring it down. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to give, uh, just to come to your house and worship and and just be in complete awe of who you are your faithfulness and, and your provision in our lives is, is, is evident, Lord, and we thank you for that, that you are who you are. In our giving tonight, we just simply reflect that. In Jesus' name, for your glory. Amen and amen. If you have something, bring it down. Uh, some quick announcements while that's happening. Is, uh, this Saturday, where's Miss Vinny at? Miss Vinny, is this still happening on Saturday? Yeah. All right. Saturday uh, is at Vancrest at 10 o'clock. Uh, Sunshine Nursing Home Outreach is happening, so if you have questions about that, see Vinny. And I think tonight also was the deadline to bring in Christmas cards for the nursing homes, so if you if you have one of those, uh, get those to Vinny before you go tonight. Uh, also, then the next announcement is, this coming Sunday after church is what? Christmas party. Christmas party. Yeah, so we're excited about that. And right after church, we're all going to kind of do this big caravan over to the Miller's I've been calling it the event barn. I'm not sure if that's correct or not, but that's what I was saying. So um, they're graciously allowing us to have have our party there. So right after church, some of, us, some of you have been asking where it is. I don't even know. But what I am going to do is Sunday I'm going to have the address on little pieces of paper. So if you don't know where it is, I'll, you can pick one of those up so you don't get lost getting there. I don't think it's very far, is it? So okay good uh, and and by the way you can thank them they're they're providing us the food and all that so it's incredible now if you want desserts you gotta bring the desserts okay but they're providing the food But if you want desserts bring desserts okay uh, there is for the adults that would be high school age up. a white elephant gift exchange as I tried to make it a five dollar limit then you guys started throwing chairs at me so it's ten dollar limit okay um, that's White Elf and Gives a chance. We'll have fun, but the kids will be cookie decorating, some different things like that. So come on out. It'll be a good time, and we'll just uh, have fun together. So that's Sunday right after church, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Then obviously uh, next week, next, a week from this Friday, is our annual Christmas Eve service, candlelight service. So we encourage you to come out for that. And by the way, did you know that the most attended church service of the year for non-church people, it's Christmas Eve. Did you know that? It's not even Easter anymore. It's Christmas Eve. So if you ever want to uh, invite somebody out, it's a great time to invite somebody that does not go to church to come with you to Christmas Eve. And uh, so that's a week from this Friday at 630. And, of course, Christmas on Saturday. And, yes, we still have church on Sunday. Okay, just so you know that. We're not skipping church that weekend. Um, so anyhow, I'm looking forward to that. We're, we're celebrating Uh, our savior and this friday is the youth lock-in where's josh right there he is it starts this friday at 8 p.m right here it's overnight if you have a, a fifth through 12th grader and they're not signed up let josh know or if you have any questions about it also let josh know and it'll be a good time though i will not be here amen praise the lord i'll be sleeping all right so um gotta let gotta let the young people handle this all right so amen all right get your bibles out And uh, we are continuing, this is week three of a series on the book of Psalms. Uh, Psalms is actually broken up into uh, five different books, if you kind of look through, uh, some of your Bibles probably have it marked out for you, but it's actually five books of Psalms, why they are, are in the order they're in, and the reason for the breaking up, it's not apparently entirely clear, it's not by... Chronological orders, not by author or anything, but they were put together uh, in five books of 150 psalms. And um, I would encourage you is what we've been saying is, I feel the Psalms should be a part of your life. And I would encourage you, we're coming up on January 1. Amen, a new year coming. How many all ready for 2022? Man, how many of y'all are just like, I cannot believe it's 2022. I know for those of us like me, I'm getting older, and, and the more of these years pile on, I'm like, my goodness, man, I feel like I'm still stuck in the 90s, I'll be honest with you, um, but it's 2022, so January 1st, all right, so whatever you do on New Year's Eve, okay, I'll, whatever you do, but January 1st, you have an opportunity to kick off the year with, with a, a strengthening of developing a, a good rhythm of habit of time in the Word and prayer, Amen. And I would encourage you as part of your scripture readings to read a psalm a day. So January 1st, whatever else you read in your, in your scriptures, read Psalm chapter 1. Then January 2nd, and then, then when you get to the 150th day of the year, you read Psalm 150, and the 151st day of the year, Psalm chapter 1. And you'll read through the Psalms twice in a year, and then that ends at 300 days. You still have 65 days to throw in the Proverbs, you know, chapter of Proverbs, something like that. But the reason I believe the Psalms should be a part of your life is because they are the song and prayer book of the Bible. And not only for those uh, uh, Jews and adherents of Judaism, but also the early church, it was the song and the prayer book of the Bible. And The Psalms are well-tread through the centuries of people praying and singing the Psalms. There's not a psalm that you read that hasn't been well-tread in the history of believers of God. And it's it's sort of a way of tethering us to our history, but also bringing those prayers to the present, then help us live our life in the future. And, And one of the benefits of the Psalms is they cover the wide range of human emotions. There, there's not much emotion of a human being that it has, and you can't find it in the Psalms. So what we're doing is we're, we're taking, uh, each week on a Wednesday, we're looking at an aspect of the Psalms. Last week, we talked about joy in the Psalms, that we as, as followers of Jesus, those who believe in God, that joy should be evident in our lives. Amen. As a matter of fact, Psalm 150, the very last song, man, it, it's all about it. It's like loud, clanging cymbals and the shouts. and It's all about a joyful noise to the Lord. You, now, how many of y'all understand that you have emotions? Yeah, everybody, okay. How many of y'all consider yourself a little bit more of an emotional person than a normal person? Anybody, okay. Somebody, yeah, me, I'm just, whew. Anyways, God, God touches our emotions. Now, Christianity is not emotionalism, but God interacts with us and and, and our emotions respond, right? And and part of the human nature, the human being, is because we have a physical body, part of our response is a physical response that not only includes our emotions, but includes the actions of our body, which is why we clap our hands unto the Lord, why we shout. you, you dance before the Lord. You cry in his presence. He, we, we have responses that include our physical body, which, which is why, by the way, for eternity, and, and we've been saying this, you're not going to be floating around as some disembodied spirit. There's a resurrection. You get this body back, but in perfection. Amen. Biggest question people ask is, well, what age will I be? Who knows? I don't know. But good enough, whatever it is. Amen. So the body is important. And we respond to God with our body in joy. Now, tonight, uh, I think this is the, the topic that when we talk about the Psalms, people want to talk about the most. When you read through the Psalms, one thing is evident all over the place. It's talking about enemies. All through the Psalms, you'll find enemies at the forefront of these prayers and these songs before the Lord. So in other words, um, it is okay to bring up enemies before God. How many of you have ever had, and this is actual physical, real-life human being enemies. This is what the Psalms are talking about. How many of you ever had somebody you thought was an enemy? Okay, so... We have experiences of life, and while the Psalms, like I said, they cover the wide range of human emotion, it also deals with what we consider our enemies. So, enemies are found in the Psalms. Now, I would suggest to you that don't, don't, don't try to conjure up enemies when they're not there. Does that make sense? When it's real, it's real. But don't try to find enemies all over the place, lurking in the shadows. Be real about it. If, 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 if you sh- you having a struggle with a person. By the way, you should never have an enemy because of the actions of your life causing them to be your enemy in such a way that you, you're acting like a jerk. You see, see what I'm saying? You're, you're, you're rude. You're nasty. You're nasty. You're not treating somebody properly, then, then they're your enemy. It's your fault. You need a Christ like character to start to overtake you a little bit. But even when you live Christ like this, you may find yourself in a place where there's somebody you're in contention with for some reason, whatever the reason is. Sometimes, you know, the Bible says that you'll be persecuted. For your beliefs, it could be just living as a Christian, and 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 now you're being persecuted, and somebody would be considered an enemy because of persecution for your faith, and that's that's possible. But whatever the situation is, we find in the Psalms that this is addressed. Now, um, there are two different ways that enemies are talked about in the Psalms. There is a general way that they're addressed. And then there is the psalms that are called the imprecatory psalms, which is what we want to talk a little bit about tonight. But, but let's look at the way uh, the enemies are just generally addressed. So look at Psalm 27. If you've got your Bibles, jump open there. Psalm chapter 27. And so the opening of Psalm 27, verse number 1, most of you, when we read this, are going to say, oh, I'm familiar with this. Psalm 27 one says, and this is a psalm that's attributed to David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So David in the psalm is literally addressing fear and being afraid on account of somebody else. And if you read the story of David, there's a lot of instances where this was possible, right? Now watch what he goes on the right. So we'll just kind of go down through this psalm a little bit. When evildoers, or an enemy, assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, again, enemies, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, that would be an enemy, my heart shall not fear, though war arise against me. Well, that's an enemy. Yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord, and that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in the shelter in the day of trouble, and he will conceal me under the cover of his tent, and he will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy, and I will sing and make melody to the Lord. So it goes on a little more there, but in other words, David is simply saying right here, I have enemies, and here is the result of what it's going to be in the face of my enemies. I'm going to come through this. So the psalm, in one way, they address enemies in that fashion. It, it, it names the fact that there are such things, but yet the Lord is my helper, and it proclaims the Lord's help in the face of our adversaries. Amen. How many know that's a good thing? Okay. But then there's another way that psalms addresses enemies, and it comes in the form of what are called the imprecatory psalms. Now that word imprecatory means to invoke or to call down, listen, judgment, curses, calling the Lord to come and act on your behalf in a big way. Now, you say, are you serious? Curses? You just watch this. The after are praying, God, come and harm my enemy. So, Psalm chapter 3. So if you jump into the Psalms, January 1. On January 3rd, you're going to read this Psalm. Psalm chapter 3, verse number 1. Again, of David. Now, this is, this Psalm is attributed to the story when David is fleeing from Absalom. How many know that story? His son comes in to try to take over the kingdom. David flees, that whole story. says, O Lord, how many are my foes, many are rising against me. Many say of my soul there is no salvation for him in God. But you, our Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cry aloud to the Lord, and he will answer me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept, I woke again, the Lord has sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Now here comes the imprecatory part. Arise, O oh Lord, save me, O oh God, for you strike my enemies on the cheek and you break the teeth of the wicked. That's in the Bible. And it closes out. Salvation belongs to the Lord, your blessing be on your people. Okay, Lord, here's the deal. I got an enemy. Here's what I want you to do come down and bust his face. Break his cheeks, smash his teeth, bust his legs. That's why I really want you to do. See, the Psalms cover a wide range of emotions. How many? How many of you have ever felt towards somebody? Oh man. Whew. And and you know what I'm saying? You would just really wish God would come down and harm them. How many? let be honest. How many ever felt that way? Okay, see, we're being honest. All right. Here's another example. This one actually, this one, when we read this, you're gonna be like, "Wow." Okay, Psalm 109. psalm 109 the psalms are real they're gritty rubber meets the road real life psalm 109 verse number one be not silent O god of my praise for wicked and deceitful mouths are opened against me speaking against me with lying tongues they encircle me with words words of hate and attack me without cause in return for my love, they accuse me, but I give myself to prayer. Now, that's important. So they reward me evil for good and hatred for my love. Now, now, here comes this whole imprecatory part. This is like several verses long. Appoint a wicked man against him. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him come forth guilty. Let his prayer be counted as sin. May his days be few. He's praying that God would cut off the days of his life. May another take his office. Watch this. He even curses his kids. Watch this. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Wow. May his children wander about and beg, seeking food far from the ruins they inhabit. May the creditor seize all that he has. May strangers plunder the fruit of his toil. Let there be none extend kindness to him, nor any pity to the fatherless children. May his posterity be cut off, and his, may his name be blotted out in the second generation. May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord. This, I'm telling you, this, this goes on. He's calling down curses on his kids. He's praying that he dies. He prays his, his, his widow finds nobody else. He loses all his money. As a matter of fact, go back before him and count all the sins of the father against him. I mean, this is a whole generational curse he's calling down on this person. Holy smokes. Now, I understand you've felt wanting God to say, I hope you've never prayed like that, okay? Get his kids too, God, and his grandkids. Great grandkids, let's just fall down the line. I hope you never pray like that. But we find this wide range of human emotion in the Psalms, and these imprecatory Psalms are real life whatever was going on with that psalmist, the hurt and the harm that was happening was such a way that he prayed such a way to God. So here's some things that we can learn from this. Okay? First of all, in your prayer, it is okay to name enemies and their actions. It's okay. It's okay to come to God and say, this is not true, but this woman Margot, Lord, she has been lying about me. She has been spreading evil about me. Lord, I pray that you take care of this. I named an enemy. And I cast it to him. But see, that's that's kind of the point of being able to name the name and the action of an enemy because what you're doing is you're casting it to who? To him. Because even if I was to pray an precatory prayer, my emotions get the best of me and I pray something like that, I'm still casting it to him to do what? To do what he feels fit to do. So, in other words, when I pray this prayer, I pray a prayer naming an enemy that I'm saying, okay, God, I'm turning this over to you because I will not try to break their jaw and smash their teeth, and I will not try to cause harm that they would lose their life, and I will try not to scheme and set things up that they will lose all their money, and I will try not then to follow their children and make their lives miserable too. That, that you pray in your emotion and, and your maybe fear or being afraid or your anger, and you, you then turn it over to him. Then you let God be God. So you have to say that you trust him to do what is righteous and just in the situation. Amen. So if, if there is a response from God, whatever that response is, that you trust it is right and just, and it takes the need for revenge off of your life. But what happens if God doesn't break their teeth and smash their cheekbone and, and, and curse their children to the 10th generation? Well, that's his choice. Because he is righteous and Just. And maybe maybe just maybe you're overstating the case in your prayer. you ever think about that? Maybe it wasn't quite as bad as you're saying, but maybe it is, but he still has to be righteous and just because often you find you think about this often the anger of your your, your moment you're not going to respond the way that is righteous and just you're going to respond out of your emotions so so in this prayer, you give it over to him. And what happens is you remove the need for revenge off of you. And you know what that does? Then, then all of a sudden, we start seeing something happen. Then the opportunity for what? Forgiveness is available in your life. Now, this is what we don't want to talk about when our enemies. We want to talk about forgiveness. As a matter of fact, uh, why don't we jump to Matthew chapter 5. Because we got to see these psalms in the light of something Jesus says. Matthew chapter 5. and verse number 43. Sermon on the Mount. Matthew five forty-three. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your, your what? Enemy. So Jesus is even acknowledging that you may have an enemy. You've heard it said, Love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. The test case of loving your neighbor is if your neighbor is actually your enemy. That's the test case of, of loving your neighbor. It is love for enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, now we see this shift here. So we find in the Psalms is naming our enemies and naming the action, and then even when it gets the best of you, an imprecatory prayer of calling down. And now Jesus is saying, but you got to pray for him, and now there should be kind of a shift happening in your prayer. Because, because you're not going to be calling down curses upon something that you learn to love. Now, now, when we talked on Sunday the last couple of weeks about God possibilities, prophetic imagination, when the Scripture says something, we go, oh, I don't know about that. That seems hard. We want to argue against it. We have to believe this is possible. It is possible to learn to love your enemies. Though it may seem impossible, may you may want to argue against it, you may have reasons why you don't need to love them because of the things they've done and all this different stuff, but the Scriptures open you up to say, with God all things are possible, and it's possible to learn to love those that are considered your enemy, even if they never do something towards you to make the situation better. So love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, watch this. So you may be what? If you want to be counted as sons of your father in heaven, this is the process that needs to be working in your life. Learning how to love an enemy. Now watch what God does. Well, God, he, his son, rises not just on the good, but also the evil. I mean, God sends the rain not just on the just, but he also sends it on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? I mean, even the tax collectors do that. And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Even even the Gentiles, the unbelievers, do that. So verse 48, this is one of the most cherry-picked verses in the Bible. This is pulled out to talk about morality in general. But in the context, watch what Jesus says. You therefore must be perfect after your heavenly Father is perfect. The context of being perfect like him is learning how to love your enemies. And thank goodness, because... Didn't God come to die for us while we were yet unbelievers and opposed to him and enemies of God? Yeah, that's how we need to learn to love. So you have an enemy, you name the enemy, you turn the situation over to God, but then the work of the Holy Spirit then is to learn forgiveness and love. It opens the opportunity for Jesus and what he says to be true in you. And then, and then what happens is there's a whole other perspective that may start to happen. You know, Paul writes, our battle is not against what? Flesh and blood. But against what? What you don't see. The things behind principalities, powers, the working. Sometimes when you start to really see, Margot may be my enemy, but but my battle ultimately is not against her anyhow. You see what I mean? So, the whole enemy thing is important because if you can learn how to love your enemies, I I think scripturally you can do just about a whole lot of everything. It's, It's one of those key linchpin things in the Bible. That when we really say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, therefore this is, this is the word of my life that I follow, and we start to say the two great things we're supposed to do is love God with everything we have and love our neighbor as ourself, but our neighbor, you don't get to choose who your neighbor is. You don't get to choose who your neighbor is. Your neighbor is whomever you are acquaintance with, who you have contact, who you bump into, not just the people that are physically living next to you. And your neighbor may be a jerk. Your neighbor neighbor may treat you wrongly. Your neighbor may actually purposely do things to hurt you and harm you. Name it. Lord, I need you to intervene with this person. But then when you do that, you turn it over to him. Then, but Lord, if they're not saved, please save them. Now, by the way, let me just say this real quick, kind of a little add-on here. We always assume that everybody opposed to us is in the wrong. We just always assume everybody else is wrong. They're the bad guy. I'm the good guy. Isn't that right? Maybe when you're praying for your enemy, you take the position. But, Lord, if there's something that I'm doing to cause this that I need to correct, please show me. Because maybe I can go to that person, and maybe by doing something like that, I may help dissolve the situation. You, you, like in the case of war, you know, when nations fight, well, my nation's always the good guy. The other nation's always the bad guy, the enemy. Therefore, we, we're allowed to kill them. I'm allowed to kill them because I've turned them an enemy. You've made that distinction. Therefore, anything is possible, even death. Think about that. How you term somebody opens up how you respond to them always. Isn't that correct? So look at the mirror a little bit sometimes. Lord, how can I change in this situation? So name it, give it to him. Then then you must allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. And what he's going to do is he wants you to love him. He wants you to forgive him. And he's going to start showing things about you because it's easy to throw rocks when you're not living in a glass house, but I think we all live in a glass house in some way. Isn't that correct? So so give these things to God. It's okay to pray emotionally to God. You know that? If you're angry, pray. You're allowed to do that. You know that? The Psalms are full of this stuff. If you're hurt, pray. Pray. Pray with it, emotion. Part of healing in your life is in those moments connecting with God in the middle of your anger, in the middle of your hurt, in the middle of your pain. Pray. Also, pray when you're full of joy, too. Pray. This is part of our connection to a God who responds to us. So if you're angry at somebody, pray. Give it to them. I would tell you there have been not, not a lot. There have been a couple times when, when I'm praying and my voice gets a little loud because I'm ticked off. I am, I am not happy about the current situation, and I feel like I'm letting God know about it. He knows about it, right? I'm not telling him nothing new. But it gets me, it gets me in the arena with him, if you know what I mean. It puts me with him. And generally, by the end of it, he's like, okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to make this. But now let's take the focus off this person. Let's focus on you a little bit. He's, that's what he does. He always, he always does that, doesn't he? And then you start learning stuff about yourself and, and, and all this different stuff, and you're just like, oh. So here's the danger. So there, there's a book. Uh, Called the Tale of Three Kings. It was a book somebody gave me when I was early on in ministry, and I read this book by a guy named Gene Edwards. And I read this book; it's a small book. And ever since then, anybody that's ever said I want to go in the ministry, I buy them this book. I said, you need to learn the lesson of this book. And it's uh, it's actually a fiction about Saul, David, and Absalom. But but it takes the story; it kind of writes the story behind the story. You know what I'm saying? reading between the lines of the story in the Bible. And the whole big picture of the story is this, that David obviously had contention with Saul. Saul was his enemy, right? Then his own son, he had contention with Absalom, and Absalom was his enemy. You have to be careful in how you treat these situations that when David's dealing with Saul, that David doesn't turn into Saul himself. And when David's dealing with Absalom, that David doesn't turn into Absalom himself. When, when you are not able to give this over to God and allow God to do what only he can do, you have a tendency you want to do it yourself, and then you open the door to become that which you think is hurting you. It's always a danger. That is why when you give these things over to God, God, God often will turn and, and say, but let's, let's work on you. Let's make sure... Because all of a sudden now you feel you have a right to respond this way, and a right to do this, and a right to do that. And God says, no, no, when you're following me, you give your rights to me. Now I'm going to show you how you need to be. It's called being Christ-like. Even, and what's our example? Well, Jesus going to the cross. He could have called the legions of angels, and he didn't do so. When he's on the cross in the midst of dying, Father, forgive them. When he was raised from the dead, he didn't say, okay, boys, round up. We're going to get some revenge. Here we go. Bring it together. This is going to be plagues of Egypt and all sorts of stuff. We're going to ransack this place. No, he, What's he do? He hangs around. So he ascends and then sends the Holy Spirit. Well, how does the Holy Spirit deal with the He just brings conviction, trying to bring life. And people say, well, well, wait, Revelation, wait a minute, he's going to come back on that white horse and the tongue. And he, when he comes back, and we'll, when we do Revelation in February on Wednesdays, we'll eventually get to that. When he comes back, it'll be perfect, righteous judgment, not revenge. See, when you give this stuff over to God, he's going to start working on you. He's going to get after your." your heart you see what I mean so pray your prayers when you're angry pray name your enemy but then turn it over to him and then see what he can do in you in the midst of your situation it, it may surprise you Listen, if you are never surprised by what God can do in your life I would encourage you to get surprised you see what I mean Let him surprise you of what he can do right here. Amen? All right. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, we we pray that when we face things in life that literally we can name an enemy, that you teach us in the midst of those situations what it means to follow you and respond the way that you want us to. Lord, teach us. Open us up to the possibility of learning love, which is hard. Learning forgiveness, Lord. Lord, it's hard. But we know with the help of the Holy Spirit that we can process and become to be like you. Lord, I pray for those that have been hurt by people and and by things of life that fall under the psalm that's like this, Lord, that there's a healing process in them. Again, the possibility of who you are in those situations. That your grace upon grace upon grace is working in and through them. That at the end of whatever this is, their perspective on the whole thing has changed. From hurt and pain, Lord, to some sort of testimony of the things that only you can do. And we give ourselves to that in Jesus' name. We all pray. Amen. 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 All right. Well, if you got an enemy, go pray for him. Lord, but yet, amen. All right. Be blessed as you go. We'll see you Sunday morning. Have a great, great weekend.